0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And let's just say this, Horwat, it has not been a pretty sight watching the Pittsburgh Penguins over there. I believe longest road trip of the 2022-23 season. They have right now lost four straight games, all of those games in regulation and by multiple goals so with Halloween being today, Horwat, what is scarier than the Pittsburgh Penguins' current performance?
1: Not much. Not much. Maybe, uh, maybe the Steelers the last few weeks. Maybe the Pirates over the last few years. I don't know. It That was sad. I wasted a lot of coffee staying up to try and watch those and then feeling bad for everyone that did stay up because uh, it's not like, okay, the games were bad. You know, there were some of them. You could argue there were good points. There were some decent parts of the Oilers game. There were some decent parts of the Seattle Kraken game. But in all four of them, every game, every game in the West, out, you know, obviously every game on in on the trip outside of Columbus, um, and even that game wasn't the prettiest. It just looked bad. They didn't look like a put together team. Things looked broken. And especially in the Seattle game, I thought things just weren't clicking at all. They weren't driving any sort of player opportunity. It just kind of looked bad. There was nothing was flowing the right way.
0: Now, I will say this. They looked much better against Vancouver and Seattle collectively than they did earlier in the week against Edmonton and, and Calgary. I thought that they were obviously in both of those games a little bit more despite trailing two to one going into the third period of both games. But when you look at the the overall trip out West, like you said, take out the Columbus game, even though there were good points and bad points. When you look at the first five games, the Penguins were a house of fire. When you look at the last four, they were so inverted on everything except for one section. And I'll get to that in a second. But here are just some numbers here because the Penguins lost five to one to Vancouver on Friday. They lost three to one to Seattle on Saturday. And they lost all four games out west. So with that, we're going to do a little splits here and get your reaction on first five stats versus last four games. Goals per game. In the first five games, the Penguins had 5.2 goals per game. In the last four, they've had 1.5. Mm-hmm. Goals yeah, allowed. Thanks. Sorry, I'll just do goals allowed and then we'll go. Goals allowed per game. In the first five games, they allowed 2.2 goals per game combined. And the last four, it's 4.5 goals per game allowed. So just overall in the goals category, it flipped entirely. And it's not like it was close to begin with. It flipped drastically in both directions. And that is that is the worst case scenario for the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: <clears throat> yeah, It's far less than ideal. I, it's There was something weird about it because it's not like, yeah, there was a couple of injuries, but it's not like you could put the full blame on that there were some highs and lows but again it's not like you can put full blame on things it was just an entire team not playing up to their potential or playing down to their opponents it was weird and that's why i keep looking at the seattle game as just it may have been one of the better games on the trip Mm -hmm. but there was just something about it that going into it you know i didn't feel confident in the team getting a win i didn't feel like things were going to go right I mean, I said it on this podcast. I think I was looking at the Vancouver game going, we're not winning that. Vancouver hasn't won a game yet. They did the night before, uh, thankfully, so it wasn't their first win. But I just didn't feel confident going into that game. It was just something about the way there was just a stink in the air, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that went on into the Vancouver game. It carried over into the Seattle game. And with the Seattle game, I just keep looking at it as, I forget how I put it. It just looked choppy, like, there was no motivation it didn't seem like Mm -hmm. uh, like you looked i looked at the score at the uh, shot counter and i went when when have those shots happened nothing entertaining or um play driving seemed to have happened for the penguins they were just kind of taking weak shots on net. and then if you look around at some of the analytics it's exactly how it went Mm -hmm. it wasn't pretty especially especially that pk is horrid right now Yeah, and we'll get to the penalty kill in a second, but there's something you highlighted
0: in that that I wanted to say. And the word that I have been thinking of all weekend was potency. Is the Penguins' offense as potent as they were in those first five games? And the answer was no. Because if you look at the shots on goal, considering what we were watching, and when you were watching the games, it felt like they weren't getting enough shots on. But like you said, the counter kept going up and up. And you're wondering, when were these chances? When were these shots on goal? When did they test these goaltenders? Spencer Martin on Friday, who I I still don't know who he is. When did they test test these guys? And then you look at the shots on goal. Same thing. First five games, they averaged 39.8. Obviously, that helped out by the first two games where they had 53 shots and 44 shots, respectively. But then in the last four, it was 34. So you're still averaging 34 shots on goal, but it didn't seem like that. And the reason being is potency. Were there potent opportunities? Was this offense really dangerous when they had the puck? Really dangerous with their chances? And the answer was no. And they were missing some opportunities too. I mean, Sidney Crosby missing two really good opportunities to tie that game up against Seattle on Saturday night. Is something you don't normally see so when you see something like that it's just the epitome of what's going on with the penguins is they're just not playing their game right now and and they didn't that entire trip out in western canada and then of course in seattle
1: yeah it, they're not playing their game they're not disciplined enough and just the puck management skills are gone gone that we're gonna we're gonna probably harp on that captain and play a little bit um it seemed innocent enough at first, right? Like, oh, he's just trying to make the pass. But then you realize there's nobody there. There's nobody there. It's I can't even call that play an interception. He looked like he was trying to give it to the to whoever it wasn't on Seattle. Mm-hmm. That looked like that was his game plan. That's how bad that pass was. Um which went down and inevitably led to the game-winning goal. Go figure. And just the discipline. We took 14 penalties. 14 in 5 games. That's including the Columbus game where we took one. So you take out of that, thirteen and four games. Mm-hmm. Man, it, and and like I said, you can't take that many penalties. We were talking about the pound uh, the penalty kill last last episode mm-hmm. with how not good it is. I mean, you can't be taking that many. Mm-hmm. You have to play smarter. You have to play disciplined, and they just didn't do that.
0: Yeah, and the special teams were an issue last week as well. There were a lot of issues for the Pittsburgh Penguins throughout the entirety of last week and that road trip. Uh, their power play, again, same thing that we've been doing. First five games, 26.3% success rate in their last four and on that road trip, 188 So they lost 8%. They dropped 8% on that road trip. And the one thing that didn't move, the one constant, was the penalty kill. They were bad before it. They were bad after it, 66.7% in the first five and in the last four. They're 28th in the National Hockey League and they've allowed a power play goal in seven of the nine Penguins games this season. It's getting to the point where you say, yes, you're missing Teddy Bluger, but also at the same time, is Teddy Bluger really going to be able to come in and turn this unit around? I I think it's, it's more so on the fact that they just holistically need to be better. It's not going to be fixed by Bluger being healthy.
1: No, <clears throat> he's not the immediate fix. Is he going to be a portion a portion of the uh, step forward? Yeah, absolutely. He's going to. He, no matter what, he will help improve this penalty kill. Mm-hmm. But we're 28th in the league. Adding Teddy Bluger to this maybe puts us up to 20th, 19th, maybe 17th at the most. It's still not going to be pretty because. I, like i early on we could have given it the the discussion of well there are we're we're missing Teddy Blueger. We're also trying to implement uh new faces like Josh Archibald and uh Ryan Paling into it. We're also giving the experiment to Casparian Capine and Marcus Patterson. All right, fair enough. You're trying things. You're nine games in now. The trying process should be over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we Maybe that, hopefully that that is it. Maybe the first, they just need the first 10. It will give a little extra game of leeway to really experiment with what's going on here. As a matter of fact, game number 11 would, ah, no, it wouldn't. Anyway, I was going to say game number 11 would be game 12 where Beluger might be able to come back and really help things out, but so be it. Um, regardless, there's going to be, it, Teddy Beluger's not going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Teddy Beluger is not going to be enough. There's going to need to be more... I don't know about change, but more change made in making this a better penalty-killing unit for a team who last season was, yeah, the least penalized team in the league, but um, we can't stay disciplined this year, man. Mm -hmm. How many penalties have you taken so far? 31. 31. It's pretty high. It's a lot. Yeah, 31
0: penalties in less than 10 games. So you're averaging averaging three penalties a game roughly there. I mean, rough math. But uh, no, nonetheless, I mean, you look at that penalty-kill unit it's a th- it's a matter of there's nobody else coming. Like, unless they trade for somebody and they don't need to be trading for penalty-killing forwards or defensemen right now. There's nobody else coming, so people need to step up. And one of those players that's needing to step up on the penalty kill and just in general is Brian Dumoulin. Um, I want to talk about these guys a little bit. I want to talk about the defense entirely because it didn't look good. I mean, not much lit did, but... You know, for the for the Penguins, they're a defense that likes to step up and play in the offensive zone. They're one of the highest scoring defenses early on in the season, and they didn't do much of that this trip. Chris Letang and, and Brian Doomlin is a pairing, we talked about how they got caved in in Edmonton. They got caved in in Calgary. They didn't look much better against Vancouver or Seattle, and, and you look at the trip in its entirety, both Latang and Doomlin finished with zero points. Now, I understand, Dumlin, you're not expecting to score, but Chris Tang, zero points in four games just can't happen with how much the Penguins rely on their defense to help in the offensive zone. And not only that, a minus eight rating for Chris Letang, minus six for Brian Dumlin, and we talk about the plus-minus stat ad nauseum and how we don't take too much into it unless it's ridiculous, but a minus eight in four games for your franchise defenseman
1: is simply not getting the job done. That is... Yeah, that is the uh, that is something to take into note. That is you are on the ice for eight goals against, in four games. Averaging out, average you're losing two goals whenever he's on the ice now, every game. If we don't need to bring analytics into it, that is just eye test stuff. That is paper stats, paper statistics that need to be improved upon. And you know, we may Sullivan and the guys might be as confident as they are in this team that's fair you're allowed to be you know i think we are all still confident in this team we all understand how good they can be there was just something off mm-hmm. everywhere and seeing your like you said your franchise defenseman going a minus eight so that just that's the highlight that's the exclamation point of what exactly is going on here mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of figuring it out
0: well, yeah, it's, over, it's an
1: oversimplification, but we don't have the answers. That's all I'm really getting. At. Like, we don't, we, we don't coach this team. Like, what can be done here?
0: And I, and I think one of the things that you saw is you have to change the pairings. You have to change them up, and we saw that at the end of the Seattle Kraken game. And I want to talk about that uh, more in depth. But the main reason they switched things up was Brian Dumoulin. Yeah, Chris Tang wasn't playing well either, but Brian Dumoulin was easily the worst defenseman on the Penguins roster the past four games. There were times where he was specifically targeted by opposing teams. That has never happened in his career. Now, I understand he's coming off a major knee surgery. I understand he's over the age of 30 now. I understand that he's had multiple major knee injuries. And for a defenseman that plays the way that he does, that's going to be hard to come back from. But the Penguins, listen, whether it's right or not, coming into the season... They tasked Brian Dumlin with being a top-pairing defenseman in the defensive option next to Chris Tang, and he just was not good in that in, in that four-game stretch there. Not that he's not good enough. He wasn't good flat out. He was specifically targeted. We saw it especially in, in Edmonton. I think it's highlighted by him getting danced by by Leon Dreisaitl. But also, uh, I don't remember what game it was where he was flailing on the ice trying to stop passes, and, and it just looked like a beer leaguer out there. Like it looked like a guy who's in his first five games of playing hockey ever saying, yeah, I need to get down in front of these pucks, but I don't know the best way to do so. He looked bad and listen, it could be a bad stretch. It could just be a bad road trip for the entire team. We'll have to see. And of course, we'll talk about the Boston Bruins game coming up. That's not, that's the hardest game possible to get right against, even though you're coming home, but this defense, and rightfully so, was switched up at the end of the cracking game. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we're going to pull up the, the perspective lineup as of right now, and we'll talk about the defense because Pio Joseph was moved up with Chris Tang on the first pairing, Brian Dumoulin was demoted to the second pairing with Jeff Petrie, and Marcus Pedersen, whether fair or not, was placed on the third pairing with Jan Ruda. So Horwath, before we get into whether or not these lines will actually stick past just the late game changes... What do you think of this configuration that Mike Sullivan tossed out there and late in the game against the Kraken?
1: I, I do think it's totally unfair to Marcus Pedersen. That sucks because he, I thought he's looked pretty good to start the season. I think, uh, I forget who it was, it was either off or Mears uh, said that Pedersen, you could argue, has been the best defenseman on this team so far. Mm. Bet you didn't expect that one going into the year uh, because whoever said it, they're not wrong. Totally not wrong. He, he absolutely could be the best defenseman on this team right now. Um, so I don't know what kind of... I mean, I don't know what lineup shift I would have made if I'm taking one off that top line. You know, does, do we just immediately bump Pedersen up? We keep, like Is it just the easy one-two switch? Or do you really have that much faith in Pio Joseph playing alongside Crystal Tang? I know we saw it before, but it was a small sample size and a much different season. Mm-hmm. This is now full regular season hockey... Um, I mean, if you have that kind of faith and things work out, I mean, thing is Pedersen and Joseph both looked good. They both looked fast. Pedersen has looked faster, by the way, mm-hmm. much quicker. Um, so does the, like, does a demotion like that for, Do- for Dumoulin immediately come with a demotion for Pedersen? That's hard to say <clears throat> because that's what this looked like. It looks like he said, all three of you, I mean, obviously that's exactly what it is. All three of you are getting new line mates. Mm-hmm. Just in the middle of a game, have fun, figure it out. Mm -hmm. The weird thing about this too, and I would
0: obviously have to go back and look at deployment and and time on ice at five on five. And it's such a small sample size, it's hard to account. But this might even be wrong that we have up here because you know what they might do? They might have Dumoulin and Petrie be the third pairing. Like that might be deployed as the third pairing and Pedersen-Ruda might be the second one because when I look at Pedersen, yeah, he's been the best defensive defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and guess what? He's kind of flared a little bit in the offensive zone too, and Jan Ruda, despite everything going wrong last week, I really liked a lot of Jan Ruda's play. I thought he looked pretty good, he looked defensive, and he was doing exactly what he was brought in to do, so that might be your second pairing of Pedersen and Ruda, and Doomlin Petrie might end up being a third pairing in this system, but... I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the Joseph Latang thing. People are going to say, well, it didn't work last time. Well, that was two years ago. P.O. Joseph was, what, 19 years old at the time? Both of these defensemen are entirely different players than they were when that happened. So I wouldn't hate to see this get a little bit of run here. Like, give them maybe the back-to-back this week and maybe that weekend game against the Seattle Kraken. I don't, I don't know, but you need something to be changed. Cause it did not look good last week. It was not supportive of the offensive game. And it certainly wasn't supportive of the defensive game because the Penguins were giving up a lot of high quality chances, which is something you weren't able to say in the first five.
1: Yeah. Joseph was, he was 21 playing in 16 games, but I, I just say he was younger. We knew he was going back to the minors and then he ended up going back for <clears throat> damn near the entire next season. Um, but those 16 games, like I said, where it was different hockey. You know, you were playing uh, the same team in back-to-back nights. You're playing not in front of a crowd. It was, it was the COVID year, so it was a little different uh, of a of a sport, kind of. Mm-hmm. And plus, he was put up there through injuries. It was a much different situation where he was he had to play there. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, it he's up there because because Dumont's fallen apart in front of our eyes, and. I think I would have just put Pedersen up there just because of how good he's looked, but mm-hmm. and for whatever reason they didn't want to do that with Pedersen. So be it. Um, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, we're gonna they'll be practicing a little bit. Maybe we'll see if the the defensive lines and the defensive pairings have switched. But I think my idea of it would be to put Pedersen up on that first line and keep Joseph on three and uh, Dumoulin at two. That's just me though. Yeah, and when you see that,
0: it says really, when Pedersen gets put with, with Ruda, and whether it's the second or third pairing when it gets deployed, it really makes it interesting that even though Pedersen has been, I think, far and away, your best defensive defenseman this year, you still don't want him up there with Latang. I don't know if you're sheltering him for something, or I don't know if they don't trust him with that, but again, that was a split decision. They went with Joseph, because I thought Joseph was playing pretty well against the Kraken. Uh, when I, from what I watched, so it's really going to be intriguing come noontime, whenever practice begins and we see who is with who on that defense pairings, because, you know, when you look at who else is there, is Rue Weedle really going to be a step up? I mean, maybe from what Dumlin has been, but on the left, on his off wing as well, like that, is that that much of a step up? And even with Ty Smith down in the minors, I know a lot of people are still clamoring for Ty Smith, but. He's not going to help your defensive issues right now. Offensively, yes, he will add to your game. But I don't think he's really going to help on the defensive side, which is where right now the Penguins really need to, to focus in here the next couple games.
1: That is. it's exactly where it is. I mean, yeah, we could use a few more goals too, but um, we got to worry about the defense. And Brian Dumoulin is supposed to be one of the better defensive defensemen this organization has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it's just not happening.
0: Mm-hmm. The last thing I do want to mention before we cut to break really quickly, and I, we don't have to get too much into this, but Casey DeSmith is 0-2-1 on the season now. Uh, he has a 2.97 goals allowed average. He still has a nine thirteen save percentage, and he's in the positives uh, 0.8 in goals saved above expected. So his numbers overall don't look bad, but I do think the Seattle Kraken game was his worst game. They might have lost 3-1 to with an empty netter, but the video coach really saved him on those first couple of goals. And the problem being, like, yes, some of those, like the Matty Beneers goal, or the Matty Beneers assist, I should say, to Jordan Eberly, what are you going to do that the defense can't allow that pass? And the defense wasn't good either, but I thought Casey to Smith was overcommitting a lot in that game on Saturday. And that's one thing that you don't want to see bad habits arise, especially for your backup goalie that struggled so much to start last season. You don't want to see those bad habits early in the year this year. And that's just something that I'm going to keep an eye on. He's going to get a start this week. I don't think they're going to start Tristan Jari back to back against the Bruins and the Sabres. So you're going to see him again at some point this week. I want to see hopefully that he doesn't continue that over committing like he did in Seattle because that's the one thing that, that threw up a red
1: flag for me with him on Saturday. You're going to see a lot of DeSmith this month. <clears throat> the Penguins have four back-to-backs through November. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot of them. I bet he plays, <sighs> how many games in total do we have? There's four back-to-backs. There's at least eight. I bet he plays maybe six games. This whole month. Yeah. Because he got to rest Jari as well. Uh, it's It wasn't pretty. You're right. It's old habits that he had last year coming back into the forefront of his game of just flying out of his crease. Flying out of his crease. How many? They scored what? Three goals? Seattle? Two. That a, two, two on a really the empty them. netter? Yeah. Hey, for what it's worth, you could say he wasn't in the crease for all three of them. Well. Technically. Technically. Yeah. So, uh, Ugly. Ugly performance in net. I think that if ah man, every time he plays, I think about it. Like that was the one cha- that was the main change I wanted to see happen to this team. Was it was a new backup goalie? Get some new fresh blood in there. Backup goalies aren't supposed to last on this, in the same organization this long. Just not the way it is. <clears throat> but it's but now here's what we have, and I'm going to support him. But it's hard whenever, like I said, you're flying out of your crease. You just don't look good. Sure, the numbers are good, and sure. He's got, under his three games, two quality stars, which is not bad. I mean, but you expect better. You expect better from your backup who has, I guess, a little bit more to prove. I mean, they paid him the money to stick around and be something here. Listen, with Casey Casey
0: DeSmith, I do disagree um, with you. I think he deserved to come back. Yeah, would it have been nice to see a change? Yes, but look around the league at backup goaltenders. For the price you got Casey DeSmith, You did a good job in bringing him back if you're Ron Hextall. And yes, you know, 0-3, let's say it as it is, 0-3 is not a great start for a backup goaltender. Your, Your purpose is to go out there and win games. But the biggest thing is give your team the opportunity to win games. I always say that about goaltenders. Every year, if you listen to this podcast, you know that's what I say. All the backup goalie needs to do is give the team an opportunity to win the game. And then it's on the team to go out there and do it. They haven't done that for him in those games. What was his first game? It was Montreal. And guess what? They deserved to win that game. And that was because of him. Now, they lost it down the stretch. They they gave up the lead late in the game. Then they lost in overtime on two bad plays by Brian Dumlin. What happened on Saturday? A lot of defensive breakdowns, which forced him to start overcommitting, which you don't want to see. But still, it's not all on him. So I think that he is fine. But I think that when those... Errors start to come in, whether it's because your defense is not playing well in front of you or not, you need to be able to be that consistent force. And, and listen, I'm not going to lie. Casey Smith kept the team in that game, but he also gave up some bad goals. And that's what happened uh, in his previous game as well. Uh, he played in Calgary and, and he kept the team in the game for the longest time. And then the third period, he gave up a goal that he, you couldn't give up in that moment. And that's the thing. He needs the team to play better in front of him, but he needs to show what he did early on in Calgary, early on in Montreal, early on in Seattle. That's the goaltender that is a peak performing backup. But at some point, you just can't get those things that are red flags. You can't start over committing like you did in Seattle. You can't give up the really bad goal like you did in Calgary. I'm not as worried about DeSmith right now as I was last season at this point because he was abysmal last year. Let's not forget that to start. So I'm not as worried about DeSmith as you are, I think. I, I wasn't calling for his exit as much as you were in the summer. But if those things compound, the bad goal at the wrong time and the overcommitting, that's when you start have, you have to start saying, you know, Dustin Tokarski's looked pretty good in Wilkes-Barre.
1: Oh, he has? I have not seen that yet.
0: Yes, the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins have actually looked pretty good in general. But um, <laughs> we're going to take <laughs> a quick break. When we return... We're going to talk about Jeff Carter, of course, leaving the game on Saturday, and we're going to break down Penguins versus the number one seed in the National Hockey League, Boston Bruins. We'll be right back.
1: We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse.
0: Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Of course, the Penguins, we talked ad nauseum 25 minutes long about just a bad road trip. And and that's what it was at the end of the day. It's a bad road trip. And what they need to do is they need to hit the reset button. They need to come back to home ice. I know that they still have a good bit of road games coming up. Uh, They don't get a lot of home cooking here to start the month of November but you need to come back, home game against the Bruins on Tuesday night, and then a road game against Buffalo on Wednesday night. You need to flip the switch back because the Penguins flipped the switch all the way off in Western Canada and in Seattle, and part of that being they dealt with injuries. Now they got a couple guys back, they lost somebody else. Let's get into that right now. Jeff Carter is being evaluated for a lower body injury. That is his second injury of the season already, and we're not even... Uh, Two months in, if you include training camp, he had an upper body injury in the preseason that kept him out of a lot of preseason games, now being evaluated for a lower body injury. This brings up another opportunity for Sam Poulin. Now, we said that Teddy Bluger will be out until at least Friday. He's eligible to return on Saturday against the Kraken at PPG Paints Arena, but Sam Poulin should get some some run here at least in the next two games as the Penguins' third-line center in between Danton Heinen and Kasperi Kapanen. So, Horwat, I didn't really see what happened to Jeff Carter. I went back and watched a couple times. Couldn't really tell what happened to him, but a lower body injury and his second of the year already at 38 years old. It's not a good look for the veteran forward.
1: No one saw it. No one saw it. I was—I uh, had to pop it on the radio for a minute, and it was the second period, and they had uh, Phil Bork had realized, oh, Jeff Carter hasn't been out there since he had seven shifts in the first for four minutes. That was it. That was it, and they no one realized it. It was kind of a, I don't know if he just didn't come out uh, to start the second, or if he left, or when he left, um, everyone kind of missed it. It was a uh, sudden, hey, wait a minute, uh, we haven't had our third line center out there in quite a while. And we, and you look at the numbers and you see four minutes and seven shifts, and you figure something happened. Uh, And we learn it's just evaluation for a lower body. I'm sure we'll get more answers today. We'll see if he's even skating today. Mm -hmm. And and another big clue, another big hint will be if, I mean, first of all, there hasn't been the maneuver to send Poulin back down yet.
0: No, they're not going to do that until they need to bring Bluger back for this very reason.
1: Exactly. Well, I I didn't know if maybe like if one or two of them, like if maybe Poulin would go back down or Kajula would go back down because you got your other two back and, uh, Zucker and Gensel, but now yeah, you're right. With Carter out, uh, we won't see that announcement for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I guess we'll just wait and see what's up. We don't know. We know no information. We know nothing. We didn't see where it happened. We, you know, you said you tried to go back. We couldn't see anything. So, are we gonna get details? No. We may just get a. Uh, T- we'll get some. We'll get a Mike Sullivanism. Yeah, we'll get a timetable, whether that be day to day, week to week, or
0: he's going on injured reserve. That's that's all you're going to get from the Penguins. Like we got lower body injury. That's half the picture. The other half is the timetable or the time frame uh, that Sullivan will undoubtedly be giving uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins media and you later, or you included uh, later on today after practice. But with Carter out, like we said, it, it's an opportunity for Sam Poulin. and I'm excited for one because his two games that he did play. He played with Kapanen, and I was happy to see him and Kapanen get on the ice together. But his other wing was was Brock McGinn, and Brock McGinn has been, you know, that's that's another can of worms I don't want to open right now. But Brock McGinn has not been good for the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, this season. But it'll be nice to see Poulin play with two offensive threats in Heinen
1: and Kapanen and see what he's able to produce. If yeah. if that's what they do, if that's what has, if that's what needs to be done, yes, that's exactly what should happen. Is that. If Jeff Carter's going down, it should be pool right into that third spot. No other changes. Mm-hmm. No other changes. Do not start flipping other things. Maybe flip uh, Raquel back up to the first line, but that's just me. We'll talk about that in a
0: second. But um no, nonetheless, what is it that you've seen from Poulain that you want to see continue? Or what do you want to see from Poulain in this opportunity? Because he's gonna get one, it seems like. I I would I would I'm pretty sure. Like, we don't know for sure. We'll see it practice today. But I would think, considering where they've placed him in the two games that he's played already, that they're going to put Pool in at in that third spot. But what do you
1: want to see from him if he gets that opportunity in the next two games? Just a lot of the same of what I saw in Calgary. He keeps playing that way. His chances are going to come to him. He's going to take advantage of them. Um, getting scoring chances, creating opportunities. I'm just looking confident out there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was the Vancouver game as well. Like I said, I everyone was kind of invisible in the Vancouver game no one was noticeable in a penguin uniform. everyone kind of flew by the seas of their pants almost like I said you look at the, it was one of those games where you looked at the shot counter you saw it going up and you saw them beating them with shots and you go where have these shots when when did these shots happen I'd have not seen any mm-hmm. um, except for there was a couple few there was a few because you Spencer Martin you know casual. Uh, young goaltender not a lot of NHL experience goaltender just putting the stops all of them onto the Penguins Mm -hmm. checks out completely um but yeah everyone's kind of seemed invisible in the Vancouver game Sam Poulin included so that's gonna happen I'd expect more of the stuff that he brought uh in Calgary That's what I'd be looking for. It's going to be an interesting
0: matchup if he gets to start on Wednesday as the third-line center because the Bruins, very deep when it comes to the center core and the forward core this year. Uh, You look at they added Pavel Zaka in the middle of the ice. You look, they added Thomas Noshik in the middle of the ice. So if Poulin will be able to go in, and and especially the forecheck and the backcheck is something that he's been touted as being very good and working on uh, has Sam Poulin. So seeing him against that Bruins team, against that really tough-to-play-against, Jim Montgomery-led team in in Boston. That's going to be a challenge. I want to see his forecheck and backcheck continue uh, like we saw early in that game against Calgary. So that's what I want to see from him. You mentioned Gensel and Zucker return in Seattle. Of course, it's it's a huge boost to the Penguins' lineup. Uh, Jason Zucker returns to the second line with Evgeny Malkin. Jake Gensel goes back with his buddy Sidney Crosby. And Gensel... He scores the only goal of the game against the Seattle Kraken for the Pittsburgh Penguins it's on on a breakaway that he kind of made himself by blowing through I believe it was it was Borgen, the defenseman uh who he just kind of shrugged off the stick created a breakaway on his own and then slid it five hole on Martin Jones it was good to see Gensel back out there and not only that it was great to see Jake Gensel not miss a beat like he missed four mm-hmm. games. But he didn't miss a beat, and, and him and Crosby didn't miss a beat either. The connection there was evident right off the bat. Uh, it's something that just kind of transcends hockey at this point because these two are so good together, and you can see how much the Penguins miss Gensel when he was not on the ice.
1: Yeah, he came right back and continued his trek for 50. Yeah. Then, like, like he never left. If you would have told me through, he that's that was his fourth? His fourth goal of the year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you would have told me through nine games, even if he played all nine, through nine games of the Pittsburgh Penguins season, Jake Gensel had four goals, I'd go, yeah, that checks out. That's a 40-goal pace. And guess what? He missed four of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say the fact that he was able to come right back, not miss a beat, still have have put up another goal under his belt. Mm -hmm. Yep, this is exactly why he's playing alongside Sidney Crosby. He can do this on his own as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Jake Gensel is one of the best players for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it's becoming increasingly evident how important he is to the lineup. So hopefully he can remain healthy here the rest of the season. But there's something you mentioned a couple minutes ago. Uh, Rust and Raquel remained switched in the lineup once the Penguins got those guys back. My question uh, is just why? I I, I mean, you, you look at the way that that original lineup looked early in the season against Arizona, against Tampa Bay. They were a dangerous one-two threat. And now, don't get me wrong, even switched, they're a good lineup. Like when you look at the original for the first line, which is originally Gensel, Crosby, and Raquel, yeah, their coursey for, you know, their shot attempts was not great. It was 45%, but 60% expected goals for 57 50.77% scoring chances for, and while it went up for the first line in all categories in that one game with Rust on that line, the second line dropped down. And with Evgeny Malkin and what he was doing with Brian Rust and with Jason Zucker early in the season, that was your best line. So essentially what you're telling me in that instance is since things are going wrong, you're going to be more top-heavy? It didn't make sense to me for the Pittsburgh Penguins because with Rust on that top line, yes, that top line might be a little bit better, but at the same time, I feel like Raquel with Crosby is much better. And I think Russ with Malkin is much better. So I don't, I didn't understand the decision
1: by Sullivan there. Me neither. It's, you know, I think it was always inevitable <clears throat> that Russ is going to be pushed back up over Raquel anyway. Because mm-hmm. for, for what it's worth, Brian Rust is the better hockey player. Bam. That's, let's just get that out of the way. And sometimes... You want to put you do want to become top heavy. You do want to put your better players on the top line. Wait, sure that takes away from wait a minute. the depth. No. You don't ever want everyone to be top heavy. No, I was going to say like we know Raquel's still good yeah. and we've seen him have success with Malkin before um and maybe just because it was the three game at the time the three game losing streak talking mm-hmm. something needed to be pushed. Maybe. You know, maybe they just expected just for that one game to kick the to kick the skid, that those three put together would, you know, fly, hit on all cylinders, fly off the rails, and put up I don't know one of those games where it's just all them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't happen, so I'm thinking maybe there was some thought process behind it. The move was inevitable at some point anyway. Just seemed a little early to me, and I mean, I would expect it to continue. Mm-hmm. I, sure, you don't want to stay top heavy but I'm expecting to see Rust practicing with Crosby in a little bit again.
0: My issue is it wasn't broken. The reason that Mm -hmm. you had to go away from that original configuration was because two of the players got injured. And yes, the Penguins struggled without those two players. You get them both back in the lineup, I would think that all systems go back to where they were and you hope that it picks up where it left off. But they didn't even give it the opportunity. They didn't even give, you know, Gensel... Crosby, Raquel, another opportunity. Now, they're going to get another opportunity this season. That's inevitable. But it shouldn't be inevitable that Rust was going to be on that top line. Because when you look at it, and everybody says it, Mike Sullivan loves his pairings. Well, Mike Sullivan must hate Evgeny Malkin. Because who's his pairing? Who's his pair mate? Is it Jason Zucker? Jason Zucker, Zucker, apparently. Why? Why? Why is it Jason Zucker? Why is it not Brian Rust? Like why does, 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 does Evgeny Malkin not, des- and I know you don't know the answer to it. I'm not asking, <laughs> but why does, does Evgeny Malkin not deserve to have Brian Russ stapled to his wing? I think he does. I think, especially when you look at the way that they performed early in the season, that was your best line. Yeah. Crosby, Gensel, Raquel, great line, but guess what? Underlying numbers, Zucker, Malkin, Rust, they were better. They were producing. They were like they weren't this highlight reel. They weren't looking like the Harlem Globetrotters as much. They were doing it a little bit dirtier in on the four check and a little bit more physical. Jason Zucker being a house of fire. But that was the best line. I don't understand I don't understand Mike Sullivan's thought process and not going immediately back to that configuration. But you know, when you lost three games, I guess you gotta try new stuff. But it, yeah, when you've lost four games in a row. How many times have the Penguins lost four games in a row under the Sullivan era? It can't be that very many. So you know what they really need to do is get their wits about them and put the best lines out there to win the game. And in my opinion, Raquel needs to be with Crosby and Rust really needs to be with Evgeny Malkin because if you're looking at Evgeny Malkin, what are you just... You're toying around with the guy. You really are. Give him consistent line mates and unless there's injury... That li- unless there's injury or unless they are really bad, that line shouldn't change. And guess what? The line hasn't been really bad yet, and they're all healthy. So I think they should put it back together. That's that's just overall my thoughts.
1: And I, I'd agree with you there. They absolutely should be doing that. Um, I just, I'm, not, I'm just not surprised by the move. Mm-hmm. We know that Sullivan loves his guys, yeah, loves his pairings, but also can be stubborn with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's just all we're seeing.
0: Yeah, and the last thing I'll say on this, and then we'll get into the Penns Bruins game really quickly, is the Evgeny Malkin line, before Jason Zucker was injured in that game against Edmonton, the Evgeny Malkin line had 60.43% of the shot attempts went on the ice at 5-on-5, 6795 five, of the expected goals for percentage, and 70% of the scoring chances went on the ice at 5-on-5. Five five. And that is a, a sample size of, what, five, six games? Go back to it. You've lost four in a row. You're about to take on the top seed in the National Hockey League. Go back to that line because guess what? If you're top-heavy against this Bruins team who has been top-heavy for the longest time and isn't anymore, they're going to bury you. And I think the Penguins really need to go back to that configuration. We'll see what they do at noon here. But I agree with you in one one aspect. I don't think they will. I think you'll see rust on that line with Crosby um, for some reason because – I, I I just, I don't know. I guess Evgeny Malkin doesn't deserve nice things, but let's move over and talk about the Penguins and the Bruins. Uh, we're not going to get as in-depth as we normally do for our previews here, but the Bruins, I'll say this, Horwatt, um, because obviously if we're going to boast about when we're correct on this podcast, we really need to call ourselves out for when we're wrong. And I don't know if you were as, as aggressively on this side as I was. I thought the Bruins were going to be bad this year. I thought you're missing... Charlie McAvoy for the first two months of the season. Brad Marchand for the first, he came back earlier than expected, but he was supposed to be out for the first two months of the season. And I I just didn't think this team was all that good. I thought, you know, they added Pavel Zaka. That's nice. They added Thomas Noshik. That's nice. You know, Allmark and Swayman were decent, better than expected last year. But are they going to be that again this year? I don't know. I thought they were going to be bad. That is the team I was most wrong about in preseason because they are the best team in hockey. Um, it's them and the Vegas Golden Knights, and they just got Brad Marchand back over the weekend. McAvoy should be back in December. This team is firing on all cylinders to start the season, and and one of the scariest things is the Penguins are going to have to go up against David Pasternak on Tuesday night, who has 17 points in nine games, including seven goals. How the hell did that happen? David Pasternak said, You forgot I was one of the best players in hockey this year, didn't you? <sighs> And Boston hates him. <laughs> Boston. They want him out so bad. Boston hates anybody that's not immediately good for the entirety of the season, like Marshawn and Bergeron. If, if you have any anything that is up and down, any type of roller coaster, Boston is not going to like you.
1: Look at Tukaresk's entire career. Yeah, for what it's worth, the Boston fans never deserved good players. Um, but oh I didn't recognize, I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, um, that's not good. <laughs>
0: That's not good. Yeah, no, this this is this entire game, we'll get to our predictions, which, by the way, we were both 0-2 over the weekend. Not a good weekend at all. <laughs> but it just screams that the Penguins are going to lose five straight. It really does. And I hope I'm wrong. But the Bruins are 8-1-0. First in the Atlantic, first in the NHL. Talked about Posnernock. They have the number two ranked penalty kill in the National Hockey League. No bueno against the Penguins power play unit that's not doing well at all. Linus Allmark, if he goes up against the Penguins, which the Bruins are coming in on three days rest, Linus Allmark is 6-0-0 with a 945 save percentage and is allowing just 1.7 goals per game. This screams danger for the Pittsburgh Penguins who have lost four straight games or coming off of a long road trip and and getting ready to, to, to... go on a back-to-back again. They have a back-to-back too, which is makes it even worse, even though it's the first half. So this is going to be a really tough game for the Penguins because the Bruins have just been absolutely dominant all season long. And the Penguins right now are looking the worst they've looked, honestly, since that Western California road trip in 2020.
1: In prime time, an 8 o'clock starts on
0: ESPN? An ESPN game? All the Penguins versus Bruins games are nationally televised. I think, it,
1: I think it'll be ESPN... Uh, on Tuesday, yeah. In prime time, uh, eight p.m. The Clark's will be in attendance. Uh, it's, it's Pittsburgh night. Notice how I'm not talking about the game itself. Um, everything else surrounding the game will be nice. It'll be nice. It'll be nice and fun getting to see the Penguins on ESPN again. I don't know who does the call for ESPN. I watched the I watched do the uh, that Arizona game. Who? He's not the best. Um, that's just my opinion of it. Uh, what else? What else is going on? <laughs> uh, I mean,
0: you're 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 dancing around everything but the actual game on the ice, and I understand why. But I mean, the 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 fact it's not going to be pretty. It's but it's I... plain and simple. If the Penguins do turn it around and listen, they they can. They played very well against the Bruins last season. Yeah. And this is a team that, if they play the way they did when they were in Pittsburgh previously, mm-hmm. then it should be a good game. But if they bring that same effort that they brought the past four games. The Bruins are going to have a field day and, you know, you have to flip the switch and the Penguins, we've seen them flip a switch in mid game. It seems sometimes they need to flip it from, from the get-go on Tuesday night. Cause if they don't, you know, like, like we said, eight and one. And, and the big thing for me is the travel. The Penguins traveled back from Seattle on Saturday night, late Saturday night. The Bruins last game was, I believe it was Saturday as well in Columbus. And now they're in Pittsburgh. So the travel is just is ridiculous, and even on the road, the Bruins, I think, have the advantage right there.
1: Yeah, it's – they may have an advantage, but you said it before. You said a couple of things there that I'm going to pull from and agree with, and I'm going to add one on. Um, you said it's rare that the Mike Sullivan Penguins lose four in a row. Mm-hmm. I have to look through and see how true that is. If, they, if it's rare they lose four, it's damn rare they lose five in a row. Number two, uh, we played the Bruins well last year that's rare especially i mean and in the history of the past few seasons i guess i should say of playing the bruins we have more success against the bruins at home than we do at td garden so we have that bonus going for us as well i don't think they play at td garden this year there's no way
0: No, we have to we have to play there at some point no because the road game for the penguins is at fenway
1: oh at td garden specifically i see what you're saying well yeah Aha! you're right? We do play in penguin. We have to look at the schedule again. Mm-hmm. That's number two, though. And number three that I'm adding on: the home cooking has been good for the Penguins this year. Six goals in each of those games. <clears throat> sure, they were the early parts of the season that we just spoke so highly of. Mm-hmm. But in all three of those games, it was six. It was a six to is a six to two, six to two, six to one victory. Mm-hmm. Now you look at the competition. I know Arizona, Tampa Bay. And the Kings, who could be a good team this year, mm-hmm. and now yeah, you do have the number one-seeded Boston Bruins, but every team's gotta win, gonna win games. Every team's gonna lose some games. Mm-hmm. What's their winning streak at right now? I just had them up. Their winning streak right now is at one, two, three, four, five, six. Let's 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 double up and end both streaks uh, tomorrow. Okay. What do you say? All right. I'm gonna build on confidence because. Eh, eh? Eh? Why not?
0: <laughs> you got to be. The Clarks will be there, guys. You gotta be Come positive. On. It's Pittsburgh night. How's Pittsburgh uh-huh. gonna lose on
1: Pittsburgh night? You can't, except we always find ways to lose on special event nights. I right, well, just asked Andrew WK. Uh,
0: well, with that, what's your prediction? Let's get into the predictions for Tuesday and Wednesday. What's your prediction for the Boston Bruins versus Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh on Tuesday?
1: It'll be a close one. It'll be a close one. Uh, listen, I know I sound like a broken record in saying the Penguins are gonna win... But in all those things I just laid out, I am going to give us a win <laughs> oh, just because, okay. like I said, we play them well. At, we play them specifically well in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. We play – we've played well in Pittsburgh this year so far. And streaks like this for bo- on both sides do not happen often. The Boston Bruins, while they are a good team and a team that wins a lot, it's rare they will – it's rare any team uh, rifles off seven wins in a row. Mm-hmm and it is rare for a Mike Sullivan-Pittsburgh-Penguins squad to lose five Mm -hmm. in a row. Cleanly, no less. Not even an overtime loss squeaked in there. Not even by one goal. Yeah, multi-goal losses. I don't know what is going to happen at practice today. (laughs) I'm hoping to see a bag skate, but um, no. But I think all of the signs, and sure, the betting odds may be skewed in this, but all of the signs kind of point to a Penguins win just by ter- in way by way of streaks don't last. The Penguins play well at home this year and against the Bruins in general at home. So let's bring it home. Can I give you a score? Hell no, I cannot. <laughs> I'm gonna ask for one anyway, Horwat. Okay. Well, it won't be six goals, but <laughs> I will be close as well. I'm gonna say three to two. Sure. Sure.
0: A three to two win for the Pittsburgh Penguins says Horwat. I have a four to two loss. No, I think it goes to five. Um, just listen and four to two. I, I think it'll be a competitive game. I think you see yeah. the Penguins play much better than they did in, in Canada and in Seattle, but this Boston Bruins team, especially if the Penguins run into Linus Allmark, who has been on fire all season long, Brad Marchand came in. I believe he had a multi-goal performance in his first game of the season. This Bruins team is firing on all cylinders. It's going to take a lot more than the Penguins just flipping on the switch. Uh, to beat this Boston Bruins team. So I I do think they fall in Boston. But on the other hand, even though the Buffalo Sabres, and let's not get this wrong, the Buffalo Sabres are in third of the Pacific Division. They're playing (laughs) some really good hockey right now. They're five and three on the season. I think the Penguins do win that one. I think that's where the losing streak ends. I think they get a little bit of confidence despite a loss at home against the Boston Bruins. And I think they, they parlay that into a victory on Wednesday night, in the second half of a back-to-back, I think Casey DeSmith gets the victory in that one, and the Penguins take out the Buffalo Sabers by a score of four to three. Uh, what say you, Horwat?
1: Uh, yeah, this one I could be a little more confident in. I, d- I am going to give the Penguins a fully confident victory there. Um, I don't want to say four to three just because that's what you said. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say like five to two. I'm looking at this the goaltending duo here for uh, Buffalo. Without looking at the numbers yet, Craig Anderson and Eric Comrie are their one two. Eric Comrie has started five games, Craig Anderson has started three. Mm-hmm. But here's where the real fun happens. Uh <laughs> Eric Comrie, while playing well getting more starts, has a three point four one goals against average. Mm-hmm. A nine oh nine save percentage. Craig Anderson in his three games has a one point six six goals against and a nine four six save percentage. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, that's a lot. It's that's, that's a good start for Andy. Craig Anderson is forty-one years old. <laughs> forty-one. Yeah. Now I look at both those goalies and say the Penguins can beat them, regardless of how good that number looks for Craig Anderson. Well, uh, even on the second half of a back-to-back.
0: Well, okay. Let me let me give you two goaltender names. Can the Penguins beat Spencer
1: Martin and Martin Jones? Uh, Martin Jones, we definitely should have. He turned back the clock. <sighs> Did he ever? And Spencer Martin, come on! I would have, even I would have thought. You know what? The Penguins routinely let the young, inexperienced goaltenders just eat them alive. Maybe Martin Jones just needs to be wearing teal to be good in the ho- in the National Hockey League. Yeah, but he was also bad in San Jose for a couple of years. He was, but he also had his best years. <laughs> yeah, but you know, <laughs> lost in the Cup final. Okay.
0: Um, so regardless, you have the yes. Penguins going two and zero on this back to back. Their third straight back to back in a row. Um, and I have them going one and one with the loss being to the Boston Bruins on Tuesday. So you're more hopeful than I am. I I think that's a trend
1: that we've established early on in this season, but I will say I'm confident in one of those wins. I'm not confident that Boston one, I'm just picking it because of trends because of trends. Yeah. Whereas the Buffalo one, that's my confident pick. That is one I'm actually putting the money on.
0: (laughs) Oh, are you? betting man no but you know what i mean i was about to say i don't think i think you've laid like three bets in your life i I, have lost two of them well oh well um nonetheless we're gonna take a quick break this has run a little long so we're gonna do a quick pens poll right after the break Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com and I know we felt like we were a little negative but when you're on a four game losing streak there's plenty of things to call out. Um, there hasn't been very many positives for the Pittsburgh Penguins but uh, rest assured that's not how the season is going to go in its entirety. Like this team is too good to remain that bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they got to win eventually. <laughs> they got to. They got to win eventually. They can't go what it, whatever it is four and seventy eight. That's not possible. Ah, four seventy seven and one, my friend. Yeah. Uh, well, yes. Nonetheless, they can't do that. They can't do that. But uh, nonetheless, again, we're gonna finish this off with our weekly Pens poll, which is gonna be something I guess a little negative as well. Uh, Yikes. Our Pens poll last week, which Penguins defenseman is most likely to be traded this season? Uh, Brian Dumoulin. Tied for the lead in this poll with 42% with P.O. Joseph. So, Doomlin, the first pairing defenseman that was replaced by Joseph, are both at 42%. Uh, not a good sign if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins that the fans are wanting both of the guys that have played on your top pairing out already. But Marcus Pedersen gets 13% of the vote. Chad Ruweedle gets 3% of the vote. Uh, I want to start with Chad Ruweedle. I think it's it's pretty obvious that there's no benefit to trading Chad Ruedel other than opening up a spot for maybe a Mark Friedman or Ty Smith. I would think Friedman more likely because that's a healthy scratch spot and you don't want to just have a young guy in Smith riding the pine for as long as Ruedel does on occasion. So I understand why nobody voted for Chad Ruedel.
1: Yeah, no, that one makes a lot of sense. The only thing you really do get back is you do open up a little cap space. You do have that. That's not even a lot of cap space because you have to immediately fill it. Yeah. You maybe get a late, late draft pick. Yeah, you ain't getting much. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect him to get tra- traded, especially considering he just re-signed that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, we think too highly of Chad Rui to, to do that. Mm-hmm. i refrained from answering this question on Twitter just because I knew the answer that I would give then would change by now. Then- and I was right, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I don't think I would have given you an answer then, but now as i look at the clauses and the players pfft, i think we keep joseph around i hope we keep joseph around and i hope brian dublin's the one that gets the axe i don't know who we replace him with i have no idea who we replace him with but like i said early on in this episode maybe about 15 minutes ago marcus patterson looks damn good and damn fast mm-hmm. hey you know what if this season progresses the right way for him he could slot in as the one left D to me so, you could see a Penguins defense
0: core on the left side that goes Pedersen, P.O., and Ty Smith.
1: It's horrifying. I know. Mm-hmm. But yes, <laughs> it's horrifying. It is scary. And notice I put Ty Smith a- in there
0: over Mark Friedman and over Chad
1: Ruidle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. Yep. Yep. Not. Nope. Yep. That's exactly what I had. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, listen. The,
0: the, the, un- the way Pedersen's been
1: playing, it doesn't
0: seem out of the realm of possibility, and they're seeing P.O. Joseph play up there. I thought he's been okay this season. I want to see an extended period of time with him and Latang. and if that works out, then you have two options there, and what use do you have for Brian Dumoulin? The only problem is, uh, and you have it up, pretty sure it's a modified no-trade clause for, for Brian Dumoulin and his $4.1
1: million cap hit. It's modified. I'm trying to figure out what kind here. I believe it is... I wish I could figure it out. I wish I could find it. I believe he um, has yeah. a
0: ten-team no-trade list. Without looking into it further, I believe that's what it is. Ten. It is
1: ten. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ten. T- ten-team no-trade list. Um. Yeah. It just, I just. I mean, if because you look at the, it's the. Uh, you just you trade him off to a team as a rental, because he's on, on his last year. I don't know what kind of rental he could use. It's not like he's one of those big names that gets traded out for a rental, but. I don't know. He's just, I've just had, I've just had it. He's, it's cooked. It's over. Not cooked. Let me, should, so let me not say cooked. A lot of people He's, have said cooked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say cooked. I just want to say it's time for a fresh start for everybody. Here's what I think about Brian Doomlin. I think it is a good thing
0: if they go with it, if they run with it again, we're, we're three hours away from practice where we'll find out if they run with giving him a reduced role, let's see what he does with that. I don't think you go immediately from saying, hey, we expect you to be our, our first pairing left defenseman to give us your 10-team no-trade list because you're out of here. Right. But Right, yeah, that is a, that is a jump. But I, I do think, and we're only nine games in, and it is what it is, and not, nobody looked good particularly over the last four, but Brian Dumoulin in particular did look bad. He was noticeably bad, and that's why he got demoted on Saturday night. That's why he might get demoted going forward. Let's see what he does in that reduced role. And if it doesn't get better, then you say, Hey, listen where the penguins are at. And I didn't expect to be able like, I've said this, not expecting it to ever happen, but on the last year of his deal with only half the season, really, because whoever takes him on is going to be taking him on for the end of the year. Mm Mm-hmm. If you trade him, it opens up a lot more when it comes to cap space for the Penguins, which, you know, $4.1 million off the books and then having a left side that is Pedersen, who's making over four, but Po, who's making not that much money, and Ty Smith, who's making not that much money. It opens things up to maybe help on the forward side or maybe even bring in another defenseman. I mean, that might be opened up because of what happens with Dumoulin out. I don't know if it's going to happen. I really don't. Do I think that P.O. Joseph is the most likely to be traded? Yes, just because of where the Penguins are at right now. Do I think he deserves it? No, I don't think he deserves it. Just like I don't think Pedersen deserved to be demoted with Ruda, if that's indeed what happened. But if Brian Dumlin does bump down the lineup and is not able to play well, I think the Penguins have to at least approach the subject of trying to find a trade partner to offload Brian Dublin. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm
0: yeah yeah now the question the last thing i'll ask before we get out of here is how high of a draft pick would you be willing to send off with him to offload him because that might Perhaps. that might that might be the case you might have to send a draft pick in order to get him off
1: the books so if we were to be sending out a first i would want a piece back you know suddenly you're you talking about trading out a first suddenly you're like okay can we get a return too yeah you it's not gonna be a better. first I don't yeah, so it's not going to be a first. A second? Ah, I could get behind maybe, and depending on, like I said, some sort of small return, maybe a cheap prospect that we don't know can pan out or not. I feel like we can't bring back anything that is NHL-worthy or expensive. Mm-hmm. It'll be difficult to find something like that. Um, but if you trade out Brian Dumoulin, I am personally only thinking of benefiting the Penguins alone. So... You know, like I said, if you'd send out Dumoulin, maybe if it's a third or a second pick, I'm looking for maybe a small prospect to come back. Mm-hmm. And if it's something lower, like if we end up somehow sending him out along with a fourth, fifth, psh, ah, we don't need anything back. That's fine. Have at it. That's,
0: I mean, that's the difficult part though. Yeah. In an era where the Penguins need as many draft picks as possible uh, to, to help just kind of not make the post-Crosby era look that bad. I don't know what I would be willing to get rid of, but would I be happy if the Penguins traded Dumoulin for a conditional seventh, Dumoulin and a, and a fifth for a conditional seventh to just get him off the books, open some space up and make the team better? If Again, this is if he gets demoted in the lineup and still can't produce as a second pairing or third pairing defenseman. Yeah, that's that's a move that if you're on Hextall, it, it, it's hard to turn your nose away from, especially if Pedersen's continuing to play the way that he has, if P.O. Joseph steps up, and if Ty Smith is as good as we expect him to be once he gets to the NHL level, then, yeah, you might be paying a little bit of a tax and not getting much back in order to get Brian Dumlin off, off the books, and, and that's cleanly, of course. Like, we're not talking salary retention because that conversation can go all day, but do I think yeah. do I think he's the most likely? No. Because I do still think it's P.O. Joseph because right now where the Penguins are at salary-wise, the the business-wise of hockey, P.O. Joseph still to me is that guy that's right on the edge. And if he takes a, a dip in play, it would be easy for them to just offload him because his value is also up. So I don't know. It, 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 that's why it's close. That's why it's tied. Literally, the pole was tied because it's between those two guys. So I, I like it. I love it. And hopefully we get to, we get a winner in our next Pens poll. And hopefully the Pittsburgh Penguins can come away with a couple victories. Cause it's been a while since we've had a victory podcast and we'll need one on Thursday, but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast. We'll be back later this week with a fresh episode talking about the Pens versus the Bruins and the Pens versus the Sabres and talking about a, hopefully the end of this very long and very, very bad losing streak for the pittsburgh penguins that's it for this one have a great week